Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. And we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red on the Liberty White. We can't dress up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas. And we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my co-host and friend, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, preseason football is this week. I'm excited about that. I have no idea where I'm going to watch it at, but at least I'm excited about it. Yeah, no, I am too. Um, it'll be fun to be able to see kind of where the team is after coming off of uh, two days of practice in Lambeau. Um, all right, so lots of news to get to, uh, lots of things to get to. I think before we get into training camp, it sounds like we have an official day that Jadavian Clowney will be returning to the team. Yeah, right after the third preseason game. So perfect, perfect timing. A week of a week of practice, knock out, get in football shape, blah blah blah. Unleash him on Drew Brees. Man, I hope so. <laughs> I really, really hope so. I I mean, that's a, about a week and a half to get into football shape without actually hitting anybody. Um, yeah. He should be able to do it. My concern has always been he has been a little bit of a slow starter in the past, but that's usually because he's hurt. Well, this time he should be as healthy as he's ever been. Um, he should be as hungry as he's ever been. So. Yeah. No, no scope this offseason. Uh, just fully healthy, working out, doing UFC stuff with Jay Glazer, working out with Julius Peppers in Miami, and then doing a bunch of other stuff. So I, I'm not worried about it. Uh, Ten days is the perfect amount of time to get him up to speed. He knows the defense. He knows how he's going to be utilized. It's just nice to know that he's coming back, and this is when he's coming back. So, um, all right, training camp. Nah, let's get to Deontay Foreman first. Then we'll get to training camp. So, John and I were lucky enough to attend training camp on Saturday, thanks to one of our amazing listeners. I say one of because we have a ton of you guys. Um, Abraham uh, happened to get uh, – he's the season ticket holder. He gave us four tickets. Me and John went. Uh, unfortunately, the other people were unable to join us. Um, and we got to see firsthand. And luckily – we got to be at the goal line where the Texans' offense started um, to they, – they rolled out their offense. They went goal line. First person to get a carry at the goal line was Deontay Foreman. First person to fumble on the goal line was Deontay Foreman. Then after that uh, – they go to uh, pass protection drills. Deontay Foreman lines up, gets completely knocked on his ass by Dylan Cole. Uh, if it was a live game, Deshaun would have died. And, 
me and John walk out of training camp, and we both look at each other and happen to say, Deontay Foreman is not going to make this team. Yeah. Didn't say he was going to get cut that day, but we did say Deontay Foreman is not going to make this team. I even wrote it in my notes, and it sucks that I didn't put those out right away because we we talked about it when Foreman was getting run over during pass protection. It's like, dude, this doesn't look good. Um, the first, I mean, the first play of the entire scrimmage was the fumble at the goal line, and that just got straight blown up. Foreman didn't really have any fight to get back to the ball, whereas the very next play, Demir Crockett got blown up, and he got fumbled on the on on the handoff on the transition. So one was a rookie mistake. One was just Foreman. I don't know what Foreman was trying to do. And yeah. the pass protection drill, dude, they they were going through it kind of – Foreman was kind of going through it like a days. And then Bill O'Brien, no joke, snuck up behind them. And I elbowed the guy next to me, and I'm like, look, you can see all their helmets just drop once they realized that Bill O'Brien was there. Um, Foreman went, just got straight trucked. Like, it was bad. Um the rookies went, they did all right. Cullen Gillespie did all right. Lamar Miller dominated it. Foreman goes again, gets trucked again. I, dude, that, that one was even worse than the first one. And had that been live game, Deshaun would be dead. Deshaun would be a little spot on the uh, field at this point because Dylan Cole just ran through Foreman and didn't even slow down. Yeah, it's it wasn't good. So we left training camp thinking Deontay Foreman isn't going to make this team. Uh, we've all been talking about it. We've been hearing the things. We heard the sound clip from Bill O'Brien when asked about who the third running back would be, and he asked who would be the two. <laughs> so, I mean, the writing was on the wall, and then Deontay Foreman just didn't do enough. Now we all know that Bill O'Brien has a very heavy feeling that Running third, third, the third running back needs to be able to play special teams. Well, guess what Deontay Foreman does up there? Play special teams. So he can't pass block. He can't keep the ball in his hands. He hasn't looked good in camp in general. And he doesn't play special teams. So Deontay Foreman on Sunday was cut. The the outcry of Texans Twitter was just insane to me during that time. It was almost as if they we, we cut like Arian Foster in his prime. I mean, they're they're acting like we cut an all pro back that ha- has been amazing for us. This is one of those things that I can't tell. We get Houston Twitter. And this isn't just um, limited to the fans. This is limit. There's there's a lot of people in the media that were acting like this way too. But it's almost like we get too connected to a guy that has potential. So it happened with Strong. It happened with Miller. It's happened with you know a camp star wide receiver every single year, an undrafted running back every single year. I'm I'm guilty of it with Jonathan Grimes. Like I I still think Grimes could have been more than we ever showed him. So I I understand it. Like I get it. But at the same day, at the same time, I take a step back and 
while we see stuff and we may see flashes, we don't see everything. It's kind of like Instagram. We don't see – you don't see the backstage photos. Even when you go to training camp, even when you have locker room access, like we are not privy to the meetings. We do not know the discussions that happened. And honestly, let's be real. What one of these um, what one of these moves has actually turned out badly for the Texans? Usually if they cut a player, I mean, there's a good reason. Braxton Miller hasn't done anything. Jalen Strong hasn't done anything. And y'all were high on him. Um, Jonathan Grimes, I was high on him. And he couldn't beat out TJ Yeldon for the pass catching role in, Jack- in Jacksonville two years ago. So, again, we just need to kind of chill, wait and see how it plays out. Try to focus on the guys that are actually on the team instead of the coulda, woulda, shouldas. And, you know, Higdon and Crockett might be something. I'm excited. That's one of the reasons that I'm actually excited for this preseason game. They showed a little bit during camp. And I, that's what gave the Texans confidence, I think, to move on from Foreman. Because if you looked at the way they approached this offseason, they did not plan on moving on from Foreman. No, agreed. I think, um, look, if you, all the Bill O'Brien haters out there are going to have a chance at going after Bill O'Brien and having a reason to. If Deontay Foreman plays well in Indianapolis, makes the team, and is a productive running back, you guys can then point at Bill O'Brien and say, your philosophy is wrong in how you draft or evaluate or deploy your running backs. Um, Granted, I'm I'm willing to argue that this is part of the reason why Gain is gone. I honestly, there's just no way that Bill O'Brien looked at this roster, looked at his line, his offensive line, his cornerbacks and running backs, and was happy with the work that Brian Gain put into it. There's just no way. This has to be, right? Like, this has to be. Yeah. The, I mean, we'll see on the offensive line. I, honestly, I you know I'm I'm not really worried about the offensive line as much as everybody else. I think we did what we could to address the no, offensive we, line. We sunk a significant amount of resources into the offensive line, but the issue that I have with how we went about the offensive line is we're now relying on Cahill, Cahill to Matt Khalil, sorry, to to be and a starter. You know, and I'm never gonna get his name right, so don't even, don't even Khalil. Khalil. Okay. Just at me, I don't care. I'm not gonna get his name right. It is dumpster diving, and that's fine if we had a somebody else on the roster that you know, because Khalil's gonna go one or two ways. He's either gonna blow up in our face, or he's gonna be league average. If he's league average, that is a huge win for us, and our and our offense is gonna be amazing. But if he does what he's done the past couple of years and gets hurt, then we're in a little bit of trouble. And Titus Howard does look like a stud. He does. Like, don't – this isn't knocking him. You spend a first-round pick on a tackle, they should be a quality player. And it looks like that was the right pick based on early returns. Again, first week into the preseason, we don't really know. So this could be completely wrong by the time, you know, we're playing the Saints and getting our asses torched. But – the way that has gone about, and I'm going back to my original point, is the three biggest weaknesses, I would argue, on the Texans were flexibility at running back, our offensive line, and our corners. I argued 
before the draft, during the draft, and after the draft, that we are going to do something incredibly stupid with our running back position. I have argued that this is nothing against Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller should be a 1A to a 1B. There should be a handcuff. This, I don't hate him. Hate. I don't think we use him correctly. I am in agreement with most of Houston Twitter on this. We do not use him correctly. He needs somebody to be in a running back by committee with. So there was the one year where that's why he was sold on coming to Houston. He was going to be the bell cow. So I figured, you know, Bill O'Brien, as much shit as we always give him, he always tries to be a man of integrity. Like That's what Bill O'Brien tries to do. You can see it with how they handle contracts and how they handle holdouts and everything. You can see how he handles player discipline. You can see that it kind of tears him up inside, that he's able to get rid of Foreman, but he loves Clowney. And he has issues with Clowney that he cannot address. And you can see that in how the way that he reacts to a lot of things. There's things that he would like to do with Clowney that a lot of fire under us. But that kind of, again, going a little bit off topic, back to the running backs. So Lamar Miller, you tried him out at Bell Cal. That did not work. The most success that we had with Lamar Miller is when they were using Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, and Jonathan Grimes in a rotation. Um, and then all three running backs at that time were – efficient. All three running backs at that time were effective and productive. So we had an efficient, productive, effective strategy that we completely got away from and went Miller Blue all the way and never found a third down running back, which I guess that's what Irvin was supposed to do, but we saw how that worked out. So that's my ranting. Our our running backs have been criminally mismanaged. We're not. It's not like getting rid of Foreman was getting rid of a starter. But we should have somebody there that can take the load off Miller because Miller plays well when he is not asked to do everything. Is it fair to say, though, that if Deontay goes to Indy and plays well and ends up being the third back behind Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, that Bill O'Brien's philosophy with his running backs is not is, – is potentially the, the – the finger to point. Roster management, yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. If, if Foreman goes... And, and and scouting. Yeah. And scouting. Well, they've even... Player evaluation. Well, they said when they let him go that they thought that he'd be talented and he needed to go somewhere. He needed a change of place. He needed, a, he needed okay, well. a, a change of scenery. It wasn't necessarily that he wasn't talented. They just weren't going to be able to get it out of him. And he... It's sometimes, okay. like, sometimes, you, I mean, you're, you've are you been a manager. Sometimes you let go of good people that are good workers. They're just not good workers for you. No, for sure. But if you have a need for a player and the player can fit that need as a good manager, you adapt to that player's need or person's need to be for the business to be better. And again, that's that's not something Bill O'Brien has done, and that's one of the biggest complaints for most people is that Bill O'Brien does not adapt to his players. Instead, he forces everybody to adapt to him, and I think that's the biggest part that people are having a problem with. And we'll we'll get to the thread later because I didn't expect that thread to be as big as it ended up being, and a ton of replies to the Bill O'Brien thread, but. Um, and I can understand that. But at the same time, and we talked about this on the way home, what player has Bill O'Brien cut that has gone on to be a successful player in this league? Maybe 
And will maybe wait. Terrence Mitchell? Maybe Terrence Mitchell, maybe Andre Shashery. We'll find out more about Shashery this year as it looks like he's a full-time starter with the Lions. But outside of those two, and that would be more I that'd can't be more on say, rack. That's defensive side of the ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still think that Bill O'Brien plays a No, he does. Either way. He said that we, he's going to trust his defensive coaches to evaluate his players. But, again, like we were saying just a couple of minutes ago, at this point, statistically, Bill O'Brien's going to be wrong. Like, there is, you're going to cut a player and he's going to do well somewhere else. At this point, though, he's he, he's got a pretty good average. He's been pretty right so far. Now, there's a lot to be said about roster construction. And, again, we have a need at running back, but we also have necessarily we – we may also have a need at special teams that they're trying to get Foreman to fit two things because that's what they are trying to – how they're trying to approach the roster. Because if they want to keep a fullback, either we're going to keep one less running back than we did last year or one less receiver. And our receivers look like that's going to be a battle. So if you've got Crockett, who's doing just as well as Foreman, and Higdon, who's flashed, and even Josh Ferguson, who's flashed. Granted, he was a speed bump during pass protection drills, too. So, again, that kind of goes back to – that kind of goes back to my um, original comment about us not knowing all the details, everything that went into this decision. Like, it's not just what we saw on the field, but granted, if you looked on the field, the pl- running back that was the worst out there, and this is both mine and James, untrained eyes, and it's something that we talked about and we agreed about before this happened, was Foreman looked like our worst running back by far. And Miller just looked like he was on another planet in comparison to the rest of them. Just every him holding up during pass protection versus any of the other running backs and the fullback in pass protection was night and day. And every other run, and every other Which, running back other than than Ferguson, yeah, really, than Ferguson that took place in that was a rookie. Foreman looked worst. He looked the absolute. He looked weak. And that may be part of his Achilles. Now, he may still be a talented runner. I've, I'm a huge Foreman fan. You, we've got documented audio on that. You go back through and you listen to all the shows and we've talked about Foreman. I have wanted that kid to succeed. I am a huge fan of him. I thought that he was going to be great. But he did not look like an NFL running back out there. No, he didn't. Um, all right, enough with Foreman. Um, I just I find it interesting that it happened the way it did. Hey guys, Young Larry Gold here. Make sure you guys are signing up for our event on September 9th at Sigma Brewery. Catering brought to you by Pitmaster Barbecue in the Woodlands and co-sponsored by our sponsor, Run Game Clothing. Uh, we will be there from 6 until the end of the game for the opening game against the Saints. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to all meet you. You guys meet us. We thought that we'd do something in Houston to be able to get together and have a little fun as the season starts. So make sure you guys go to our Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and find the registration link uh, and register for the event. Like I said, free barbecue. Run Game Clothing is going to be there. There's going to be some giveaways. John's got a great idea for a game in the during halftime. So this is going to be a ton of fun. We look forward to meeting all of you there. Make sure you go to our uh, bios in Instagram or Twitter and click on the link to register.
All right, so let's go before we get into the last two days at um, at Lambo. Let's go to our day Saturday at training camp. Um, I spent my entire day just watching the offensive line and nothing else. John had the ability to watch everything else. Um, I I couldn't. I had to I had to put my eyes on the offensive line. Um, so I'll give you what I saw from the offensive line, and then I'll let John kind of take what he saw. We also saw some wide receiver work. Um, Tyron Johnson is a player. Um, if he's not on this team, he'll be on another team most likely. This isn't – he's not one of the the stars of the past. He's a he's a legitimate weapon in this offense, whether – honestly, he, based on what we're seeing and with DeAndre Carter not being available – I could easily see Vincent Smith and Tyron Johnson both making this team. Yeah, Carter's got at a first, long I, way to go to make this team. Based on at first, I didn't think that was the case. I, I didn't. I, I, I just I really liked what Carter did last year in returns. I liked what he did in, when he subbed in for Kiki. I don't think he was amazing when he subbed in for Kiki, but I definitely think that he was able to fill the role enough to be able to get the job done. Um, but now that DeAndre is missing so much time, uh, and Tyron and Vincent Smith are both putting together great camps. It, it's just going to be very hard for DeAndre to come back and and, and do what they need. Here, here's how it works. If, if DeAndre Carter comes back and stays healthy and the other two players stay healthy and continue on the trajectory that they're on, DeAndre Carter is cut. If, the other, if DeAndre Carter comes back and the other two end up having some fumbles, not like fumbles literally, but just like fumble on their trajectory or get hurt, I think that's the only way that DeAndre Carter can slide back into this 53-man roster. There's just too much talent right now at wide receiver, which unfortunately is the one position we don't need all the talent on. Uh, we would love to spread some of that talent around to, like, the cornerbacks, running backs, offensive line. But uh, the wide receiver room is fully stacked. Now, let's get to the offensive line, and then we'll get to John's thoughts on training camp. Um Leading up to Saturday, all the talk was that basically Central Henderson was not able to hold up in pass protection um, when going against J.J. Watt. Um, so I went in with the mindset that, okay, we have a problem at right tackle. Well, that's not the case. The problem is J.J. Watt's just a fucking animal. And you line him up against either one of our average tackles, because at this point, that's what they're projected to be, if healthy. And he's going to eat them up. But I got a little bit of breaking news. You ready, John? Yeah. We're not playing J.J. Watt 16 times this year. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I thought J.J. was washed up, I, and we're, we're going to have to play him a lot. If I had to bet on anything it would be that we don't play J.J. Watt this season. <laughs> uh, look, Centro, when going against Merciless, held Merciless. When he was going against Scarlet, held Scarlet. When J.J. lined up on his side, he had some issues, but he also had some moments where he was actually holding J.J. back. Khalil, uh, up until recently, the reports were that Khalil is looking good in camp. Guess what? He is actually looking okay in camp. Guess when he's not looking okay in camp? when he's going against J.J. Watt. And it seemed that that was the first day that J.J. lined up on Khalil because now the narrative has changed to where Matt Khalil is not having a good camp and also isn't having a good two days in practice in Green Bay. 
Um, so what what I'm saying is is the tackles are not the future tackles, but the tackles are looking to be at least serviceable, and if not serviceable, better than what we had last year at tackle. So I don't think we have any reason to freak out. I do think Henderson is a better tackle than Khalil, and I think Henderson maybe could fit somewhere in this line if he can stay healthy uh, long term. He is only 26. Um, but Khalil is basically just a one-year guy to come in and just give our young guys time to develop. And we talked about it last week, but with with Titus and, and Max playing on the interior of the offensive line at guard, the plan isn't to play them at guard. So everybody freaking out, like, why did we draft these guys at a position of need and then play them at guard? It's because we got to get them reps and we got to get them ready. They would much rather them have four to five games of guard reps then zero reps, and then us have another situation where we put in Rankins at tackle and he gets blown up. These two are going to benefit from playing guard. And if this line works out to where these two play guard all of next year and we have 16 games of a fully healthy offensive line, good for us. It's still going to be better than what it was last year. The most interesting part to me is the fact that Martin still isn't healthy and hasn't played center, and Mance is starting to turn it on again. That's, 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 to me, I'm like, hmm. And then we also saw Fulton take some set, some snaps at center, too. So, look, I know it's not ideal, but like I've been saying and like John has been saying, we just need average. You don't fix an offensive line overnight. You don't replace all five starters, and all of a sudden you have a top five offensive line. It's just going to take time. And Titus Howard is a player. <laughs> like, it, if that if that clip yesterday from Aaron Wilson or Chris Berman or whoever or whatever the other guy's name is from the Chronicle, uh, it wasn't enough to tell you that Titus Howard is a man amongst boys at times when he threw Rashawn Gary to the ground and then walked away extremely disrespectfully as if he wasn't even bothered by it. He can play, and Max Sharping's having a great camp too. So that's it for me on 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 training camp. I mean, we saw like I said, we saw Tyron Johnson, we saw. Um, we saw Roby play a little bit, and everything is in campus saying exactly what I was saying before when we were when I was hoping we would sign Roby. But John, I'll kick it over to you and kind of you you talk a little bit about what you saw in training camp. Yeah, I just kind of fill it in a little bit um, with the details that with the the James is kind of talking about. Um, Tyron Johnson, I mean, he does look like an absolute player. He's out there and he's got he's got the swagger. He you know. He looks the part, and then he gets out there, and he straight, he just straight makes BBC look, Brent, uh, Brian Bodie Calhoun look straight silly, on an on a play in the end zone for a touchdown. So he may make the team. Like I'm one of those again. I never get too excited about rookie wide receivers, but he was just out there. He was out there showing off. Vincent Smith looks just as good. Um, granted, he was on the other side of the field, so I had a harder time seeing him, and I kept having to check their numbers, but it was always Tyron Johnson and Vincent Smith making plays. And then, get this, Vincent Smith was returning kicks, and he looked pretty good doing it. Um, Johnny Dixon did uh, return a kick, and he broke it off for a touchdown, which always looks nice. My favorite moment was, of course, just the reaction of the running backs when Bill O'Brien snuck up on them during pass protection drills. They definitely upped their intensity, but you could tell that they they knew that they were in trouble when he walked up. 
The only one that showed out was Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller looks look like a man among boys compared to the rest of them. So that's good for him. Let's try and keep him healthy. We've got to find a running back to take a little of the stress off of him. Let's see. Kiki was solid. Um, him and Colvin was bat- were battling. Um, I'm, uh, yes, know, that was a great battle. What I don't get about Colvin is um, John McCain went on – 610 the other day and just said that Colvin was trash, but when we watched him, he looked really, really good. So maybe there's something they're seeing over on the side that we can't see. But Well, Pat's also saying that Colvin is not trash and that he's a completely different right. player. Right. Colvin, he did struggle when he was asked to cover any of the outside guys, but when he was on the inside, that's the player it looked like we signed. Like, that's whom we were looking for. And he looked solid. Like I'm, He's not going to be an all-pro player, but he looked solid. He kept up with Kiki. And keeping up with Kiki should get anybody a gold ribbon um, or a gold star because, you know, that's always impressive because Kiki looks like Nightcrawler out there just teleporting around. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And then Hop was absolute beast mode. Whenever the offense would stall, they would just bring Hop back in and, you know, first down, first down, first down. Poor Brendan Roby, he looked better. And then he, Bradley... This is. I'm gonna get you a roster, and I'm. You no, know, the I'm sad part is I have a roster. I'm gonna make it 97 well, inches, I, and I'm gonna put it on the wall in front of you right now. What happens is I need to actually get enough rest on days we do podcasting because this is the end of my day, and it's it's a pretty long day. I have a roster and a pronunciation guide, and I should just you know pull it back up. <laughs> hey John, um, it's 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 the end of day for everybody. You know. My day is a little bit longer than yours. It is, but it's still the end of the day for everybody. Yeah, Same yeah, time. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah, whatever. All right, you've completely thrown me off, um, but it was Bradley Roby, Bradley Roby out there. And, he, you know, he's never – this is Hop. Hop is going to get his. If you judge him straight on how it went guarding DeAndre Hopkins, like you're going to say he didn't do well. But he did as well as you can against DeAndre Hopkins. He was in his face. He was in his pocket. He was right there. What? Guess what? What's that? Breaking news. We're not going to play DeAndre Hopkins 16 times this year. You know, that's kind of a relief because if we were, Bradley Roby would be in a lot of trouble. But we're not. Yeah. We're not. No, we're not. And, I I mean, he's he's Yeah, and the the most important part about that, though, is he's stayed with him. Even though he's not as strong as Hopkins, Hopkins can push him away. He was right there, and he was still in his pocket the entire time. Like, he was his little shadow. He wasn't going away. So that was the impressive part. The disappointing parts of training camp were that we didn't get to see uh, the dinosaur play tight end. Yeah, we didn't see tight ends either, and that sucked. Central Henderson is probably the biggest human being I've ever seen uh, in my life. Let's see. Jo- Justin Reed was out there just, you know, doing Justin Reed things. Where Being Justin Reed. Oof. James actually forgot who Justin Reed was for a minute. Like, got his, forgot his number. Forgot no, his number. No, not, not who but Justin Reed was. James was like, dude, who's 20? He's awesome. And it's like, no, that's Justin Reed. He's like, oh, shit, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Definitely didn't, wasn't like, oh, he's awesome. You made me sound more corny than I was. I was like, well, dude, that's, cool. that's the message that came across. Like, you were really like, excited. Like, dude, yeah, dude, pay attention to him. And it's like, oh, that's Reed. You know, just doing what yeah. thinks. 
Uh, but anyway, what's wrong with being corny? It was a great. Sometimes I don't. Like sometimes corny. you're corny. I have a problem okay. with being corny. I know, but when I think I'm, <laughs> when I'm corny, I'm so cool. But when like corny's pushed on me, I, I feel uncool. Um, but uh, oh, anyway, training camp was fun. I guess I'm done then. What? Go. No, I, go. I, I thought you were done. I'm done. You're the host. Let's go. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Uh, training camp was fun. It was a lot of fun. John and I had a great weekend. Um, it was it was exactly what we needed. Uh, it was fun being able to do it, and we both swore that this would be the last year that we will be there as fans. Next year, we will be there as media. So we are getting all of our shit together to be able to get media passes as the Texans could care less about podcasts for some reason, even though it's the number one um, – it's like the number one rising platform in all of whatever it's called media, I guess, but whatever. Anyways. Uh, all right. Let's get to the last two days and the things that we've heard. Let's start with Lonnie Johnson. Cause I know, Oh no, I guess we got to go to that bill. Of, bill of yeah. Rights, right? You know, that's, that's just a pit of sadness. Are we sure? Like, I mean, right now between the Reddit and reading that thread, we get it. People are not excited about the team this year. But, you know, really? Can we at least wait for the first preseason yeah. game before right, we so say we want to burn it all down? No. So Sunday night, it's like, I don't know, 7 o'clock. For some reason, this whole Bill O'Brien thing was starting to weigh on me, so I just put it out there. I said, hey, let's have a conversation. I tweeted it out. What is it that you don't like about Bill O'Brien? And please be specific. So I'm going to read a lot of them. I'm not going to read all of them because there was a lot more than I anticipated. I thought I was going to go to bed early that night, and that didn't happen. Uh, and I also felt like I had to defend Bill yeah, O'Brien we, to everybody, so that kind of sucks. But to defend Bill O'Brien. We try to understand him. Like We don't want to defend him, but we don't. We don't want to be – I don't want to be negative. Like, what's the point of coming on the show if all I do the whole time is just shit on them and say they're a bunch of idiots and go, you know, this team is just horrible this year. Don't even bother watching it because if you don't watch, you're not going to listen to us. Like, that's part of it. And part of it is sports are supposed to be fun. Like, they're supposed to be fun. The optimism is supposed to be fun. Getting excited about yeah. watching some players do things that we'll never get to see, even if we don't win the Super Bowl. We're going to get to watch Deshaun Watson. Watson just light up the league this year, and he's going to do that. This was supposed to be the Watson cast, and we're not even going to get to do that because of all of this. But mark my words, Deshaun Watson is going to light up the light up the league this year. That, that's going to happen. Oh, I agree. And and you you uh, luckily this weekend I got to introduce uh, John to my uh, pessimistic uncle, who uh, who had some choice words for for our. Uh, our thoughts on the Texans. We were talking about the event, and I was telling him and my beautiful aunt that they needed to come out, and they, of course they're coming. And his his first comment was, "Wait, we're playing the Saints, right? Oh yeah, we'll be leaving by halftime." That's just who he is. He thinks that this team can't be good. But all right, let's get to uh, let's get to this. So I, I put that Twitter out, or I put that tweet out, and it just took off. And so I'll read. Uh, I'll go through. So Jonathan Salas, a buddy of mine. Uh, said, offensive guru in quotation marks, but we don't average 20-plus points a game. Won't adjust to player personnel. Players need to have a doctorate in football. We have never looked fluid, ever. 
Real coaches make us That's look how we dumb as first fuck time. in the playoffs. <laughs> well, I'm reading it. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Once the season starts, the cursing is going away, everybody. So come the Saints game. That's the way it's going to be. All right. Um, my my thoughts basically were like uh, to that, like, okay, I get it. Like offensive guru, sure. Like we haven't seen a consistent amount of offense to say that he's an offensive guru with the current regime of offense that we have because of health. But prior to that, he, Brian Hoyer, Brian Fitzpatrick, Case Keenum, those two before that had career years under Bill O'Brien. Um, I would think that you'd have to be somewhat of an offensive guru to make Brian Hoyer and Ryan Fitzpatrick um, starting caliber quarterbacks in this league. And then when we talked about when he talked about the playoffs, my thoughts were, okay, yes, Brian Hoyer happened in Kansas City, but that following year, we were able to win a game with Brock Osweiler. Then we went to Foxborough, and literally, if John was playing quarterback, we would have won the game, but we lost because we had Brock Osweiler. So I don't know, and yes, last year, destroyed by the Colts. I get it. It is what it is. Um, let's just go through the rest of these. Um, one guy, uh, my buddy Brian, I feel O'Brien is fine. Why they waited so long to invest in the O-line. And a quarterback are the issues going back to the old regime. The old regime just couldn't draft after the first round. We like depth. Side note, not many UT players have work ethic. Ooh, a little shot there at the UT guys. Uh, Kevin Coffey struggles with time management and sometimes uh, falls into predictable play calling. I can actually agree with both of those, but I think every coach struggles with those. Um the thing I dislike about O'Brien, this is um, this is Rumpel still win. That's pretty creative. Uh, the thing I dislike about O'Brien is the constant state of uncertainty, blatant holes every year that are not addressed. It's been a long-term approach for so long that we've exceed the statute of limitations for long-term in football years. So then I asked him to be specific about the lack of addressing needs, please. Not saying you're wrong, just want to be specific. Initially, it was a quarterback position. He put band-aids on places that end up bleeding by the end of the year. Then the offensive line has been bad for a while. No aggressive moves until now. Too much belief in our players developing when they aren't showing growth. Uh, then another one is, and this is Springer Hollick, uh, clock management doesn't exist in his world. Since his arrival to the org, he has tried so hard to be the pass and failed miserably. His play calling is atrocious. I've literally seen the man all but give up on second and long and third and long when he has Nuck and Watson. Uh, another one, he'll show sometimes he can at least be a good coach. Watson rookie, Watson's rookie year against Seattle, he'll call a hell of a game. I'll never forget, with under two minutes to go, he ran Lamar three times straight on third down. They just needed to get four yards, give Watson the ball. Um, what else? Red zone offense is trash. This is Preseason Joe, Joe M709, in case you guys don't follow him. He's a great follow. Uh, red zone offense is trash, and every year his teams start the season looking totally unprepared. I really actually can't argue with either of those, to be honest with you. Um, our red zone has been actual trash for the most of Bill O'Brien's tenure here, um, and we do tend to start the season slow. Anything about that, John, you would disagree with? No, I'm in – here's the thing with most of those. I'm actually in agreement with a lot of the the comments about Bill O'Brien. I, I really am. I've 
if you listen to the listen to the show, hope you have. You can kind of blot out the next half minute. But if you're new to us, I think I'm a huge fan of running back by committee. And that's one of the things that I was incredibly excited about watching Bill O'Brien bring to the Texans from New England. The three things that they really established in New England while he was the offensive coordinator. Now, I don't I would assume that he had an influence on that scene as he was the offensive coordinator was using the two tight ends, using a running back by committee and using pace. And with that, a lot of short passes to running backs and slot receivers and, you know, trying not essentially what he would try to do is he made the playbook look complicated, but it was really just a few different plays. It's a sim- very, very similar to what Sean McVay does. It's a few simple plays. They kind of disguise the package where it comes out of, but that's why the plays look so repetitive so, all the time is they don't have a lot of plays. It's uh, this false thing that I think that they feed on saying, yeah, the defense or the offense is so complicated. As the players look better, if they're like, hey, we have, a, we have a complicated offense and look, I can execute it. And the coaches look better if they have, if it sounds like they have a complicated offense and they execute it. And it makes other defensive coaches go, well, maybe they have a complicated offense where they're trying to mask simplicity with complications. Now, with that, and with the belief that if he's still doing what he's doing in New England, that he's allowing Deshaun to call the plays at the line, if this is truly what's happening, then Bill O'Brien's taking a lot of the heat for shortcomings in other areas. That's shortcomings in roster construction. Like, he honestly hasn't had the players to really execute his offense, and that's not even to say that he needs, like, pro bowlers at every position. He just needs people to be able to do simple things. You could tell that he lost complete he lost complete faith in his short passing game, and it's one of the things that I raged about last year. When we didn't have a slot receiver, our tight ends were unable to, to create any sort of separation, or Deshaun wasn't trusting enough of them to throw those short passes when they didn't have much separation. And we didn't have a pass-catching running back that could run a route. Now, Lamar Miller has hands. He catches the ball. He just has no route tree. So, again, the complica- or the, uh, the complications among complaining about Bill O'Brien is we don't know what's going on in those offensive meetings. We know what we saw from Hard Nuts, but it's on his philosophy. We've seen what's been written about on the Super Bowl runs because nobody writes about the Texans because we're pretty me- mediocre. We, there's no books out there on the Texans. If there was, I would have read them. There's only books about what he's done when he was with the Patriots. Predominantly, there's only articles out there based on what he's done with the Patriots. There's the one article where they had the game plan offense with with Godsey and Hoyer, where they said that they made up plays every single week. And you don't really know how much truth is in that. But, again, that's all we have when he was actually with the Texans to go with. And we all know how that worked out with Godsey. So I don't know what to believe on that. If you look at what they're building now, you can tell that he is trying to actually bring that same offense that he had up in New England. If you listen to the, uh, I believe it's George Whitfield, um, it's the QB podcast, they brought on, um, 
Shoot, why am I forgetting his name now? Who's the quarterback? Um, Bengal killer. TJ Yates. TJ Yates. Y'all can throw again at me. Just tell me I suck as a Texans fan because I can't believe I forgot his name. But they brought TJ Yates on and they they talked it out and they said that the offense that the Texans run is what they run in New England with the added element of Deshaun being more athletic but not as quick to throw the ball as Tom Brady. If Deshaun gets to the point where he's quicker with his decisions and kind of trust his tight ends and trust his slot receiver to be where they're supposed to be, I think that this offense really can take off. And I think based on what we're hearing, that's where we're going. Deshaun is a phenomenal quarterback. We will have a Watson cast. We will discuss about how good his year was last year. The thing that he has never done well is he does not trust his receivers to be where they're supposed to be. And the only receiver he trusts to be where they're supposed to be is Hopkins, and you just throw the ball at Hopkins anyways because that's just trusting Hopkins. Once Deshaun develops that, once we have developed a little bit more with our offense, our offense should improve. And I've said if we do not see a significant improvement in our offense this year, Next offseason is the season where we really ride on Bill O'Brien because we should see a huge jump this year and an even bigger jump jump next year. But if we don't even see baby steps this year, then we're screwed next year. That was a long 30 seconds. I know. Uh, All right. Here's the fans that I hate. C. Mallory 7. Talent evaluation is trash as well as his player development. On top of the fact we were told he was a quarterback whisperer and an offensive guru, I've yet to see evidence of either. Now, first off, I've got a, I've got a question about that. Evalu- yeah, yeah. Everybody always brings up the quarterback whisperer and quarterback guru. Who outside the media ever said that? I've, I've read through all the other previous um, like coaches and when they hired them. Nope. That, those comments breaking, were never said by anybody outside the media. Nobody. Look, it doesn't matter. That's fine. I don't know where he even got that title from, considering he worked with Tom Brady only. <laughs> like, newsflash, he didn't make Tom Brady great. Guess what? He was great before he got there. <laughs> I mean, he did make Christian Hackenberg look like a really good quarterback. In college. In college. but no, In college. Yeah, but nobody else has been able to make Hackenberg look like a decent quarterback. AFL or a, whatever it was, the Alliance of American Football. The NFL, like, even then, they all – and even okay. Penn State after O'Brien left, Hackenberg looked like crap. So The, the part that I don't understand is the talent evaluation is trash, and so is his player development. Last I checked, this team has a bunch of players. I don't know. I could be wrong. So then I decided to list out exactly what it was. Um, but for some reason, they're not there. I don't know where they went. But I basically named – Oh, Zach Cunningham drafted under Bill O'Brien. These are all players. B-Mac, Fuller, Reader, Clowney, Kiki, Justin Reed, Dylan Cole. Oh, wait, and the most important position in sports, Deshaun Watson. And they talk about talent evaluator, like we've cut players that have gone on to do well. Again, but we haven't. Terrence Mitchell. Maybe yeah. Andre Chacho. So, Maybe. Yeah, and our, our, our two tight ends from last year are looking like they're going to be something special. So, um I don't know. I just thought that's a lazy take, but that's just me. Uh, anyways, I, um, 
Big Corey, uh, YFG underscore Corey, one of my homies on Twitter. I think he's a leader of men, but it's complacent at times, and it's not good. This whole Patriots gimmick needs to be done with, and we need to make better in-house decisions with players. Being conservative isn't always the best thing. Uh, I understand what Corey's saying. I think there is some aspects of the conservativeness uh, when it comes to Bill O'Brien, especially with who you have at quarterback and some of the talent around him. I will say that I think the conservative aspect of Bill O'Brien and what we saw last uh, last year um, really just had to do with our offensive line. You know, it, me and John came on here and were complaining about running the ball. And then, you know, when we realized how bad the offensive line was, now we know why he was running the ball as often as he was. He had to protect Deshaun. Um, I think it was Graham Barfield who, like, tweeted out the stats of, like, most first and second down runs uh, last year where the Texans. Look, Deshaun got hit 62 – or got sacked 62 times last year. Take away some of those runs on first and second, you're going to add a lot more sacks to Deshaun Watson's resume. I, it just doesn't make sense. So all he was doing was trying to uh, lessen the blow, and he just wasn't able to do it. So, anyways, that's going to be this it. Is, this is actually a great like thing to kind of talk about. That I sent a I sent a tweet in response to it. You got to keep in mind the context, and I ran out of space on my tweet, or it would have been even longer. But a Deshaun. Always been a weakness of his getting the ball out quickly and on time. B, rookie tight ends. C, uh, no slot receiver. Other things to keep in mind is injuries. most of those injuries and injuries to Deshaun specifically. Right. So the idea behind it is you run the ball on first down to protect the quarterback. Now, there's also the counter argument that if you put him in second and long, the pass rush is just going to um, just tie their ears back and go after him which may have caused a couple of those sacks. What I would actually put it on, though, is not necessarily running to protect Deshaun, but running to protect Deshaun when we had the lead. And that's the one bit of context that I kind of really forgot, is you look at Bill O'Brien once we get the lead. Yes, he puts the clamps down. Yes, we wish he would put his foot on their throat and just you know destroy some of these teams. And we've done it a couple of times. But last year especially with some of those close games, would get the lead, we would clamp down, and he would try to protect the lead and protect Deshaun. He would open it up when Deshaun was healthy. The games that Deshaun was not healthy, that's where you could really see him clamp it down and kind of bring back the old Osweiler offense where let's not let the quarterback kill us because we don't want the quarterback to get killed. Yeah, so look, me and John have both agreed that this is the last year for Bill O'Brien if he doesn't get his shit together. Um, we'll be off the Bill O'Brien train completely. Now, that doesn't mean that we go 12-4 and four and go to the AFC Championship. That just means that we see good progress made in this offense and on this team. If that doesn't happen, then we're off the Bill O'Brien train. And like John said, we riot. Now, Preston, cue that beautiful past footage of ours. I'd rather be 80-year-old me than 20-year-old you. Like, come on, dude. Eli Manning looked like a Pro Bowl quarterback yesterday. Dude, I don't know what the fuck you are doing. Maybe we could film some things that we see on plays and then send it over to Bill O'Brien in an email and say, hey, look, this is what actual good play design is. it looks like. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and then he called them a puss. And, uh, yeah, all right, let's get to training camp because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff we still have to get to, and we're already 50 minutes in. Um, 
I guess we'll start with Lonnie Johnson. Well, I just want to kind of tie my little bow on it. Tie your bow. Tie your bow. Tie Johnson. my bow. You didn't give me a chance, and I'm afraid no, of what that past past put 30 minutes during this entire session. I know, right? No. Again, this we don't want to defend Bill O'Brien. Like this is not. We're not trying to be truthers here. We're not trying to be Kool Aid drinkers, and we're going to tell you how it is, how we kind of see it. But we try to do it from a more positive outlook. Like, again, sports are not supposed to be negative. There's, we go for Houston teams, and on top of that, I go for the South Carolina Gamecocks. I'm, I'm used to pessimism. I can go call my dad if I want to hear pessimism. I can go talk to anybody I know about the Texans face-to-face, and I can hear the pessimism. So we're not trying to sweep all Bill O'Brien's faults underneath the rug because he does have many. But he's also he has done some good things while he's been there, and he has. We all want a Super Bowl. I I told James, and he thinks I'm a little bit crazy. If we just make the Super Bowl, I'll cry and I'll probably be happy for the next six months, even if we lose in the Super Bowl. I can live with that because we would have made it. Like that's just something that I'm not sure I'll get to see in my life. So if I focus on that as being the only way that I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be a miserable sports fan. All right. Uh, training camp. So we'll start with Lonnie Johnson, just because that's the the main news right now. Our boy Lonnie Johnson, my boy Lonnie Johnson, um, decided to lay the smackdown uh, there in Lambeau Field. He decided to uh, hit Jace Strasburg or Strasburg or whatever the hell that tight end's name is. Uh, it was a clean hit. He just had a little fire to him and knocked him out. It is what it is. Then on the following play on special teams, guess what he decided to do? Decided to lay another guy out. Now, after that, he was sent to the showers. After that, he posted on IG, standing over (laughs) the tight end he laid out. And the entire team decided to comment on the picture. And let them know that 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 was an amazing part of practice. Well, everybody is saying that Bill O'Brien wasn't a fan of what happened on the field, and also uh, with the post, and that and that he was also that's why he was sent to the showers was because of his play on the field, and he didn't practice today because of the post on IG. I'm going to give you my theory on it, and John, I'll let you kind of chime in. I think actually Bill O'Brien loves it. I think Bill O'Brien was totally fine with what happened yesterday. I think that's what he's looking for in his players, and we've seen it time and time again. Why he didn't practice today was for Lonnie Johnson's pure safety and to ensure that the rest of the team was able to practice without any commotion or, or, or issues. He didn't want any fights. He wanted to be able to get another good day's practice in, let everybody get reps. He decided to let Lonnie just go ahead and skip. He's not in Bill O'Brien's doghouse. It was just best for the team if Lonnie wasn't on the field. I really think that that's all it is. I don't think it's any more difficult than that. John, what's your thoughts on it? No, I mean, I think you're right 100%. I think that he appreciates the fire. That I don't think Lonnie was so much in trouble as more of a, hey, just keep it cool so they can practice on, they can focus on practice and not focus on him. And, yeah, we, I, our defense needs a little bit of that. We need a little a little fire out there. Now, again, other reporters have stated that 
Bill O'Brien's philosophy on it is you can't control yourself during practice. How can you control yourself during a game? But I think in this regard, it was a. I think it's a little bit different. And he may was he may have been a little bit more pissed off though about the um the Instagram. He was definitely pissed about the Instagram. <laughs> I think that's what actually got him. The hit, not so much. I think he loved the hit, but the Instagram post, it's like, come on, dude. Well, and I think also the fact that like it was a clean hit. Like if it wasn't a clean hit, I think this would be a completely different story. But from what I read, he hit him straight in the chest. So. I really don't think there's anything to be made of this, and Lonnie's going to play on Thursday. So it kind of is what it is. Anything else on Lonnie Johnson? No, I'm excited to see him play. Like, I'm, 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 I can't believe it, how excited I am for this first preseason game. We've got – there's going to be some position battles to watch this year. And apparently we just completely tore up the Packers today at uh, practice. So, yeah, You know what's funny about that is uh, – one of the uh, Green Bay um, reporters said the exact opposite. Yeah, and then all of Texans reporters' Twitters got onto it like, what are y'all talking about? Oh, did they? I didn't yeah. see that. Was it Pat? Um, it was most of Texans' Twitter. It wasn't just one guy. There was a lot of like, did you watch the same practice we did? So I just thought oh. that was interesting. And it's Lonnie Johnson took down the uh, the photo. Yeah, I know. Uh, and everybody who deleted their comments prior to that, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, all right. So practice today, uh, quick highlights, or practice yesterday and today. Yesterday, offense wasn't moving the ball very well. Uh, looked like they just weren't really in sync. Um, also, keep in mind the Green Bay Packers defense took a pretty big step forward on some of the team, the players that they added. Um, with, uh, I think, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith. Um, they also have pretty good corners in Kevin King and a couple other corners. So um, they have also have a new defensive coordinator. And so, I, it, look, they, they didn't move the ball yesterday. It is what it is. One thing that I didn't hear either day was that our pass protection was awful from Pat, from John, from anybody. I I actually didn't hear that at all. All I heard was that there was a couple times Matt Khalil got pushed back further than he was supposed to, but that he actually still ended up holding up. Um, what have you taken away from the last couple days in Green Bay? That I'm excited for football. <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing else. Sounds like we've kind of – our offense and our defensive line just straight dominated. My understanding is the Packers couldn't run anything, and this is without J.J. or J.D. out there. And BMAC was trying to stay cool about it when he was being interviewed, but he there was just like, nah, they, they couldn't get anything. Um, apparently we frustrated Aaron Rodgers during the seven-on-seven seven drills. Usually seven-on-seven seven drills are just kind of like practice or easy, easy money for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks just go out there and complete everything, but it's more for practicing routes. And our coverage was actually able to lock down their, their receivers, and that's – encouraging because you're going up against Aaron Rodgers and he always makes all of his receivers look better. Granted, it's controlled, and they may not have the best receivers because they're relying on their quarterback to make them better. But, again, it's exciting to see, and I'm just ready for the game. Yeah, the the biggest thing I'm taking away is that the two areas coming into training camp that were our biggest concerns are technically still our biggest question marks, but I don't know if they're our biggest concerns. I think that's a fair assessment. 
Um, I don't know if that the offensive line and cornerback group are concerns. I think they're really now more questions. I think that they've seen enough in camp to feel a little bit better about it um, and that they're just hoping that it translates to on the field. And uh, you're hearing a lot about Roby. You're hearing a lot about Lonnie Johnson. You're hearing a lot about Colvin. Um, you're also hearing a little bit about J. Joe kind of getting burned, but I, I think we're going to have to learn to live with that just given his age. Um, but everybody's here to play, and it looks like everything is working out in our favor currently. I, I'm, I'm glad to see the progression and the steps that we took, You know, especially considering people are saying we didn't invest enough in the cornerback group. We didn't invest enough in the offensive line. Um, we'll find out Thursday. It's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, we'll find out a lot on Thursday. And we'll have a lot of good notes and a lot of good things to talk about next week. That's for sure. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Um, that's going to be it for Texans Unfiltered this week. Um, you can find us on every podcast platform in the world, literally in the world. You can find us. Just search Texans Unfiltered. Um, oh, don't forget about the event. Yeah, I got I got to make sure I plug that. September 9th, Sigma Brewing, Brewery, God, I do it every week, uh, with barbecue brought to you and catered by Pitmaster. Uh, and the event and podcast is sponsored by Run Game Clothing. So make sure you guys go to rungameclothing.com. Look for your favorite Houston sports gear. Their gear is just fire. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HoustonFBPod. And with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine. It's our time to keep it 100. So we don't go out here and show them how thrill we are, baby. But you better get out the way because we coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go. Thank you.